Hey guys, thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Back Your Chat podcast, episode number four. Going to be looking at the uh, UFC 250 card from this past weekend, looking at the results and what's next for a certain few fighters. Really good card, some very, very good finishes on there, so uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about. But I'm going to start off looking at the announcement of Conor McGregor and his recent retirement. Conor McGregor announces he is retiring again, the third time in as many years. Spoiler alert, he is not retiring. He, uh, well, he ain't going anywhere for soon. He's under contract from the USC for a start. Um, he signed a six-fight contract, um, I think it was just before the Khabib fight. So he's had two fights out of that, therefore he has four fights left. He ain't walking away from any sort of other combat sport. He will be fighting again. To me, it actually gets me excited um, because it, it shows me that there is a, a fight on the horizon. This is something Floyd Mayweather used to do all the time. Um, retire, retire, retire. Oh, by the way, I've got a big fight coming up. Now I've got all the headlines and now everyone's paying attention to me. It goes to show that UFC 250 over the weekend, um, probably a, one for the sort of hardcore fans, if you like. Um, not too many sort of quote-unquote big names on the card that, that people... Um, that outside of the world of MMA would know. Uh, Sunday morning, you wake up. What's the first thing on Sky Sports News? Conor McGregor announces his retirement. He's the only person that can transcend and 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 really get on a platform like Sky Sports News. So for him to to announce that just shows the pull, the leeway that he has, and it just shows to me that it's a negotiation tactic. Like I say, he has four fights left on his contract. Um, and he will be, you know, he can't go anywhere else. He loves to fight. Yeah, he potentially doesn't need the money. He spends a lot of money. Um, and you look at fighters of, of, of recent history that, that make a lot of money but end up going bankrupt. You don't want to see that happen to him. But he is a crazy man. And who knows what, what could happen. But uh, but he's always going to need... And he, he'll always have that itch to fight. He is a fighter at heart, even though he's a prize fighter. I've been looking at the um, some numbers and, and, and as to what this probably means for him, quote-unquote, retiring. So, like I say, probably means he's got a fight on the horizon. He's just pushing for more money. Um, one of the biggest things that I suppose at the moment with, with this coronavirus in the world that we're living in is there's no fans. So, I, I sort of got to thinking. I was, I was looking at the biggest gates in UFC history. So, Conor McGregor holds a lot of records in, in the UFC. So, out of the top five gates in history, he has the top two. Um, Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight championship in 2016, Madison Square Garden. $17.7 million gate. Next highest is Khabib versus Conor for the lightweight title. Uh, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, $17.2 million. Then we drop to third, which is very interesting, which is way back in 2011 which is GSP versus Jake Shields. Huge event. I think that holds the attendance record, 60,000 plus people. That did $12 million. So if you're going to take the third, and let's take Khabib as, as, as the fight. It's the most recent one um, on, on that list. Or if you want to you know, look, look at the Eddie Alvarez fight, obviously a little bit more, but let's take the Khabib versus the, uh, the GSP versus Jake Shields card. You've got over $5 million there difference. $5 million extra Conor McGregor has brought in. You could make an argument that Khabib had a little bit of that, but the fact that Conor McGregor holds all of these records shows that he is the A-side, and to some extent he is the B-side as well. So 
there's potentially five million dollars there that, that Connor brings to the table that he isn't going to get in an empty stadium, in an empty arena. So, you know, he's probably saying to the UFC, I still want that five mil. You know, that, that's what I bring to the table. I want a piece of that pie. It ain't my fault that we can't, you know, get fans in there. So pay me that. That, for me, point one of a negotiation tactic in that he's, he's trying to sort of get across. Point two, which I don't think he would want to play this longer game um, because he, he did say that he wants sort of two, three, four fights this year. The Reebok deal coming to an end with the UFC. So <laughs> widely known, widely speculated, it, it was crap. Let's let's be honest. I mean, I, I think it was, I was reading an article here of Ryan Bader who who announced um, when it was first done and he first moved across to Bellator, he was getting paid anywhere between sort of thirty five to eighty thousand dollars per fight from individual sponsors. This Reebok deal comes in. He was at the top tier of the Reebok fighter pay and got fifteen thousand dollars. That's a big loss to be making for any fighter. So the Reebok kits never took off. They were they looked garbage. They they were awful. And yeah, it's 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 been a bad bad deal for everyone. That comes to a close at the end of this summer. Connor will be there, sat there saying, whatever deal that, that is signed by the UFC, whether they go down the same route of getting one kit supplier, to me, why does the UFC not just hire a commercial team? a commercial sales team, that they've got that many, when you look at the ring during any fight night, they have that many sponsors that are bought into the UFC. I'm sure a lot of these sponsors, the network that the UFC have, they will want to be on fighters' kits as well. The reason they brought in, for anybody that doesn't know, the reason that, that Reebok came on board was because, yes, okay, you have the examples of Ryan Bader that were getting paid this amount, X amount of money per fight, which was a lot more than Reebok, but a lot of fighters, on the other hand, were getting scammed. So there was a lot of a lot of businesses that were getting advertisement and then basically just not paying the fighters. So, so the UFC wanted to have that sort of sustainability, that guaranteed check at the end of the night for the fighters. I think the lowest is like $1,500, which, you know, even for the lowest ranked fighters on their own, they could get a lot more money than that away from away from Reebok. But then again, you look at any other sport, you look at, you know, sort of NBA, football, whatever, they wear what they're told to wear. They have individual sponsors. And that was always an argument from the fighters as well. Well, can we not just have one or two? But that was always an absolute no-go. So for me, if the UFC want to maintain advantage of that and, and, and keep control of the, uh, of the, of the, of the sponsorship aspect of, of the individual fighters, why not hire a, a sales team? that will sell on an individual basis for the fighter. Obviously, each fighter has their merits and higher up on your card, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why, why the UFC not got a sales team that can do that? It's not that hard. It's not that difficult. It's guaranteed revenue. You're doing business with the UFC, who will then pay the fighter. That, to me, uh, it baffles me why that was never done, because the well, Reebok has been a disaster. We know that. Anyway, that to one side looking at Connor in this aspect. You can't tell me he's not either trying to get proper 12, either as a, a sustained sponsor for the UFC, or August McGregor. He can make a lot of revenue from himself wearing that kit for his fights. So whether this is a tactic of saying, look, I'm gonna sit on the shelf till next year when this contract runs out at the end of 2020 with Reebok, and then, you know, 
I know you guys potentially aren't signing a deal. I know they're talking about other other companies, other contracts, etc. If they go down that route, perhaps Connor's going to go. I'm going to make a shitload more money sponsoring myself than you can ever give me. So I'm going to sit out and I'm going to wait for that. That's more of a long term play. I, but at the minute, I I think it is more that sort of rate the the gate revenue that that he wants. And it also shows, so <laughs> Jorge Masvidal also announced his retirement last week. Well, doesn't take fucking Sherlock Holmes to uh, to figure out who's fighting who, does it? They're both in it together. There's probably a little bit of a handshake behind the scenes between those who are just saying, look, let's push. The, the fight contract's probably signed, but let's push and make more money um, if, if we have to do it behind closed doors. Now, there's obviously talk of Fight Island, and there's a lot of talk now that it's going to be um, in the Middle East. So, therefore, Middle East money. So, perhaps that's what they're pushing for as well. They know it's Middle East money. So, they're both like, look, if we're going there, let's get paid. And, and let's get paid what we're worth. They talk about that as well. So, $5 million extra in those gates. Now, we look back at UFC 250 from this weekend. Amanda Nunes, the GOAT of women's fighting. She made half a million dollars. So, the, the, the numbers that Connor is talking about are, are far superior to anyone else can ever dream of which is why Masvidal is pushing for it. He, he wants to get that money as well. Guys, it, you can't get the money that Connor dictates. You have to be lucky and you have to get him to, to pick you out. Again, looking at pay-per-view buys, Connor McGregor versus Khabib, 2.4 million buys at $80 or whatever it is. Diaz versus McGregor 2, second on the all-time list, 1.6 million. McGregor Diaz 1, 1.3 million. Out of the top six Conor McGregor owns five of the top pay-per-view buys. The only one on there is Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir at UFC 100, which was a, the biggest event probably that UFC have ever put on. So out of the top six, Conor McGregor owns five of those records. People, all these fighters moaning about their pay and they want to get paid more. You have to come up with a gimmick. Now, I don't want to get too pro-wrestling on this, but that's exactly what Conor McGregor has done. Yes, he has the natural charisma and not everyone has that sort of quote-unquote star power. But he's worked on it. If, if you ever listen to any interviews of him, especially back in the early days, he used to talk about it quite a lot. He looked into the psychology and, and not just his skill set of throwing a punch and throwing a kick. He looked into the skill set of the psychology behind it and what makes a complete fighter and what makes the fighter away from the cage or the octagon. And he bought into that very, very early. And, and he's developed... And, and created this larger-than-life character. Yes, he's got the natural wit and he's got the natural character. Obviously, everyone remembers the line, who the fuck is that guy? You can't script that. That is natural. That's off the cuff. That's Conor McGregor in a nutshell. A lot of these guys are trying to replicate it and doing quite well at it. Colby Covington comes to mind. Henry Cejudo obviously just retired again. Um, these guys are, are, are trying to get there. It has to be a little bit more natural for me. If, if ever you want to get to that level, you could argue that Conor McGregor is a, a once-in-a-lifetime sort of achievement, sorry, attraction. Like, I mean, I think the uh, the, the old saying is in, in boxing that there was only two guys that could ever draw on their own, and that was Mike Tyson and Oscar De La Hoya. So there's only two fighters in the history of boxing that could draw on their own. doesn't matter. You put them up against a, a, a sweeping brush and they will sell out a pay-per-view. Connor is that guy in MMA, and he's the only guy in MMA that can do that. There is no one else. The other fighters up there on the GOAT list, John Jones. 
Now, John Jones, for me, I mean, far be it from him to uh, to listen to me for, for career advice, but he's another one that's just retired because he wants to get paid more. It, where he has gone wrong in his career, in my opinion, he has tried to be authentically fake. Now, bear with me with that. He tries to preach the Bible aspect. He goes down the Jesus route after fights. All glory to God, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. If you're going to live that life and you're going to be that person, fine. Accept that. Not a problem at all. With your next breath and with your next action, you're crashing into people whilst high on drugs and then running away from the scene of a crime. Later comes out, the, the person that you hit in another car is a pregnant lady. You can't be doing shit like that. And, and this isn't a, a, a sort of an individual incident. His history is littered with the cocaine abuse, all that kind of stuff. Steer into it. Be, be a badass. Be that bad guy. You are a bad bloke. At the end of the day, you are a bad man. Don't try and act holier than now and give us the whole Jesus piece. And that's why people have switched off from him. He had the ability to become the great... He is, in my opinion up there top two greatest of all time fighters him and probably gsp for me maybe Demetrius johnson that's a different that's a different story anyway he had the ability to to get those conor mcgregor numbers but people just didn't buy into it they, they realized he was a fake and a, and a phony and, and wasn't being himself that's fine if you're gonna play a character and you go down that sort of wwe route of, of really creating a character that people can buy into but by being Jesus guy and also bad guy, just doesn't work. Look at look at Chael Sonnen, is, is the best example of this. He created the bad guy character. He didn't care what he said. He came out with with all sorts of nonsense about Brazilian and calling Brazil's, I can't remember, was it scumbags or something like that. He pissed off a whole nation, so much so that when he actually visited Brazil, he had to have the armed guard escort him round. If you're going to go all in, go all in like that. And that's how you sell. He was the biggest star in the sport at the time. And he got the call for fights he shouldn't have got. Championship fights, etc, etc. He got paid. He got paid very well. John Jones was there at the same time. Perhaps he should have took a leaf out of his book. And just gone, yeah, do you know what? I am a bad guy. I do coke. I fucking hit pregnant ladies in cars. Who cares? This is me steer into it and, and I think he would have been better received he would earn more money and he would be a draw see that and again that that's what a lot of the fighters still to me it baffles me that they don't grasp the fact that the UFC will pay you on what you bring in it's a business I don't care how good you are Demetrius Johnson is the perfect example of that I don't care how you are too good at, the, at his reign he was too good and looking through the um, actually I'm looking now at the pay-per-view buys the lowest from UFC 100 to 200, which is kind of Demetrius Johnson in his absolute prime. He holds, out of the top five lowest pay-per-view buys, he holds three of those records. Three of those top five, he holds the record for lowest pay-per-view buys. Because he never had a character. He, he relied on his ability in the ring, which is far superior to anyone else. But you've got to have a story. There has to be a story behind why people want to tune in and watch that fight. Unless you are Conor McGregor, unless you are Mike Tyson, 
people aren't going to tune in. You have to tell them a story. You have to let them buy into you as a person. And if that means if you are a boring person as, as, a, as an individual, you have to create that character. Now, he went in his own his own way and fair play to him actually away from the UFC he made a lot of money by streaming he was one of the pioneers of Twitch and away from that he made quite a lot of money but still couldn't draw so maybe he was happy but one of the things he did he said he's been quite open he left to join 1FC because of the money because he couldn't draw now you go to Japan it's a completely different market they are purists to the purest extent they will watch you for your fighting ability. Whereas in the Western world, you have to have that character. You have to have, people need to get emotionally attached to why they should be watching you or, or that fight. And if you don't create that, you're not gonna draw. And, and to me, you can't then sit there and moan about how much you're getting paid. Derek Lewis is, is a perfect example. He got paid, and do you know why? Because he said one line after a fight, he dropped his trousers and Joe Rogan said, what are you doing? He said, my balls are hot. Perfect. Beautiful. Absolutely superb. He then got massively paid by the UFC. His, his following, etc., goes massive through the roof on, on social media. And his next few fights, he got paid big. That is what you have to do. If you're not naturally a funny guy, speak to... There's that many people in and around the sport that, that I, if any of them reached out, they, they would help them out. One of the biggest things that grinds my gears is they mo these fighters moan about not getting paid enough, and they don't. Like This isn't a, a, a spiel about how the fighters are, are overly paid. They're not. Some of these fighters are getting 20 grand to, to literally get punched in the face. That, that's, not, that's not enough money. That's not enough money to be doing that. They should be getting paid more, and, and that base level should be a lot higher than it is. But it is a business and UFC is the biggest game in town. So if you want to play, if you want to play for them and fight for them, unfortunately, that's that's what it is. But if you want to get that big money, you have to put yourself in the shop window and you have to make a sort of a very conscious decision early on. Is it the titles that I want or is it the fame and the fortune that I want? There's only very, very, very few people that can do both. If you truly believe you're going to be world champion and you're happy with that, fine, carry on and do it. But if you're then going to do that and then moan that you're not getting paid without a personality, unfortunately, that doesn't, to me, that that doesn't cut it. And what I was saying earlier, so it grinds my gear, it really pisses me off. The fighters that complain, when they have their opportunity, I watched the fight card 250 at the weekend, there was not one fighter that called anybody out by name. Aljamain Sterling got very close and kind of called out Peter Yan, uh, but he, he's already scheduled for another fight for the title. Aljo is basically saying he wants the title fight, which is fine. I get that. that that's absolutely fine. But a lot of these fighters coming up, you had a platform. And do you know what? It, it's probably even better the way they did it, because normally you win the fight, your hand's raised, Joe Rogan's there with the microphone in your face. It, it can all happen so fast and, and perhaps you forget what you originally pre-planned. This way, you have time, you, you walk to the back, and then it's very more, much more relaxed, much more chilled out. You're on a screen. You, you have time to gather your thoughts. Why, why, why does not, and, and I've heard Chell talk about this in the past as well, so again, I don't want to just seem like I'm, I'm repeating what he says, but I do agree with exactly what he says. You have to have a name lined up or, or something lined up. How many times these fighters come out of, out of the cage 
yeah, I had a good fight. Yeah, I stuck to the game plan. Yeah, and then they'll be set up. Who do you want to fight next? Perfect. There's your time. Come up with a name. Call somebody out. Don't be afraid of pissing somebody off. Call them out. And what do they all do? I'll fight whoever they put in front of me. I'll, f I'll, I'll leave that with, with Dana White, with Sean Shelby. I'll, I'll fight whoever they want me to fight. No, it's boring. No one cares. Everyone says that. Be different. If you want to be remembered, be different. Call somebody out. Call somebody... It doesn't matter where they are in the rankings. Even if it's just somebody with a bigger name than you. Doesn't have to be doesn't have to necessarily be rankings. If you want to get up the card, you want to get paid more, you have to fight the names. Fights aren't made on rankings, unfortunately. They are made on who draws and who's going to sell and who people are going to tune in to watch. And in some cases, like this last weekend, who puts their hand up? I mean, who wants to fight Amanda Nunes? Nobody. No woman wants to fight her apart from maybe Valentina the Bullet. She's potentially the only one but saying you've got to come down to my weight which it's a big cut for Nunes whether she will or not who knows but literally I can't even remember her name this is not even a knock on her I can't even remember her name and she was the main event from this weekend looking at the rankings now she wasn't even top 15 and she's getting that fight because she put her hand up she called the person out. She got she, she called Nunes out. She she got probably got paid more than she's ever got paid in her life for that fight because she put her hand up. And sometimes that's all it takes is putting your hand up and calling somebody out. But a lot, I don't understand. A, a lot of them are scared because if, if they call somebody out and then they lose, they lose face or whatever they think they're going to lose. Just take, a, take a page out of Connor's book. He has lost a lot of fights in the UFC. A lot of fights in the UFC. He lost to Khabib. It was a fairly competitive fight, but let's be honest, Khabib pretty much dominated him. What's the biggest fight that people talk about still is the rematch. Khabib versus Conor McGregor. People soon forget about that. If you don't care, they don't care. Let's be, if you can create that persona and create that image, people don't care about the results. They, they, they will choose, uh, eventually they will. If you start getting knocked out six times in a row, yeah, okay, they're not going to care. But Conor... Does that look at the Nate Diaz fight, the trilogy? That's going to be there for the next couple of years. Doesn't matter how many wins or losses those guys have, they've created a story, they've created a narrative, they've created personalities that people will tune in for, and that will be a main event within a couple of years. That that's kind of like up the UFC sleeve, up Connor's, up Nate's sleeve. If ever we're, we're in kind of trouble, let's make that fight, let's make that happen. Done deal, job done. If you want to get to that level, sell yourself. Just spend a bit of time. Yeah, okay, the kicks and the punches are important. But also spend that little bit of time studying people that have done it before you. What did they do to make all their money? Why are people like Chael still remembered? How has Connor made all of his money? Why has he made that? And yeah, guys, okay, it may sound corny, it may sound stupid, but go and watch some old school wrestling during the Attitude Era of your Stone Cold Steve Austins, your Undertakers, your Rocks, all those kind of people. How did they get to the, the rock? Perfect example. How did he get to be? He wasn't the most athletic. He wasn't the most ripped. He wasn't doing steroids in the in 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 WWF. He's doing all the steroids now. But back in the WWF, he he wasn't the biggest guy. He wasn't the most athletic guy. But he could talk the talk, and he created that gimmick. And now he's the biggest star in the whole wide world. You know because he's created that gimmick. Go back, study some of these guys, and study what they did. And take aspects of that. The UFC is founded 
on a on a business plan of the WWF. Vince McMahon very nearly bought the UFC back in 2003, was it? Oh, forgive me, my dates are wrong. He nearly bought it basically to scrap it because he saw that it was going to be it was going to be in opposition to potentially WWE. What he was doing was fake. What this was was very real. But they've never currently grasped in the UFC the storyline. The fighters haven't grasped that storyline and that character building, which obviously in the WWE, that's all you rely on because they're not real fights. So you have to build that storyline. You have to, all the fights are scripted. So you can build that. UFC, it's a lot harder. It is because you can't script the end result. But if you can create that character, look at Colby Covington at the minute. Yeah, okay, he's probably not mainstream, but he, I mean, he, he visits the White House. He's on first name terms with Donald Trump's son. Think what you think, whatever you want of Donald Trump. But he knows who Colby Covington is. The most powerful man in the Western world knows who Colby Covington is and came to watch him fight. Now, if you don't think Colby Covington got paid from that, you're stupid. He got paid. He's drawing those sort of eyeballs because he's created this character. The only thing I kind of don't like about what he does is he kind of lifts that curtain. He, he kind of... Uh, I think he did an interview with Brendan Sharp and then whether this is Brendan's fault or Colby's fault. But Brendan would talk about how much of a nice guy he is and this is all just an act and this whole him doing the, the photo shoots with, with bikini girls and, and all that kind of stuff and, and calling people out. That's all for show and we don't need to know that. Like, don't don't let people in on that. Let let him create that gimmick and let him play that part. He's, he's just called out Kamara Usman, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure he's just called him out. Who they're teammates. No one calls out their own teammate, but he's done that. That that that's the kind of level that you have to be at. You don't care about the consequences. Just just do it and, and just call names out, and you will you will be rewarded. You will be, and, and you can also go down the other route of potentially not talking. So this is what, I, I really liked Sugar Shane O'Malley at the weekend. So he is balls deep in a gimmick. Probably not, in fact, you know what, I'm, I'm not even going to call it a gimmick, because I think that's actually him. The colourful hair, the tattoos, the smoking weed. He is just being himself, but as luck would have it, himself is a very interesting character. He's not just another regular guy on the roster. He is you're you're drawn to him. You see him, you're like, fucking hell, who's that guy? Let's watch him. And he has that going for him. His interview at the start with Joe, I thought was fantastic. Giving short one word answers. Like, look, yeah, this great performance. Yeah, it's whatever. Joe then asks him what's next. And he gets very animated. And he starts talking about, I'm going to sit down with, with, with Dana and we'll go through my next option. No, he didn't need to do that. For me... I, I just think potentially he should have just kept the interview very stale, very calm, and then come up with a name. Bang, there's my name. I want the winner of... I want Aljamain Sterling. I think he's going to win the fight. I want him next for a title eliminator. Something like that, I think, would work. Would have worked. Don't get me wrong, his interview was, was still great. And I think he lost a little bit of a notch there in the negotiation. The, the UFC would have seen that. You could see, if you, if you go back and watch it, you can see a change in him. And, and it's that excitement that it gives the upper hand to the UFC in those negotiations, in, in my opinion. That, that you're acting that very bland, 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 very excited. Right, the UFC, no, we've got you. We've got you. You're in. Like, we're, we're reeling you in. So to me, perhaps a little bit of change of that. But, I mean, I'll get to his performance later. But superb, absolutely fantastic performance from, from Sugar, Sugar O'Malley, Sugar Sean. He is 
really one to look at. Outrageous knockout, but again, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later. Now, another interesting way of, of, of going down the route is, uh, it, who was it? It was Paul Heyman, looking at the WWE. Again, Paul Heyman said, monsters don't talk, which is Brock Lesnar. That's what he did with Brock. For his whole sort of start of the UFC career, sorry, um, WWE career, WWF career, he didn't talk. Somebody else did the talking for him. He created that illusion, that allure of, of I, I don't know, that, that he was a monster. And, and you look at Kane or anybody like that in WWE, WWF names that people know, people that don't even watch the sport, they know who they are. They don't need to talk, perhaps. Sometimes less is more, unless you are a funny guy and you're going to have that name called out. Perhaps less is more. And and just be that guy with those short answers and and create that mystique and that aura about you that people are like, who is this guy? Mike Tyson didn't really talk a lot. But when he did talk, you listened. And, and he created that with his whole persona and that stare that he used to do before a fight. You can also that that probably only really works with the with the bigger guys because you you, you got to be big, you got to be physically imposing. But that that's a route to go down as well. That if you want to get paid, you've got to do this sort of thing. You've got to create the gimmick. Talking gimmicks, back to Connor. He isn't retired. A, a lot of what I've I've just laid out for you there. Again, to me, just screams out that it's a negotiation. He is going to be back probably sooner rather than later. Will it be in, in the UFC or will it be this Zuffer boxing which, which they're talking about? And obviously Floyd jumped on the bandwagon straight away. Again, a, a guy that gets it. He gets the game. Starts calling him a pussy or whatever. Oh, you were telling Mike Tyson you could knock me out. Now you're running away. Yada, yada, yada. Just sells more tickets for when they... Again, that's that's another fight. That, I mean, look at these fights Connor has in his back pocket. He has that in his back pocket as well. Whenever he wants it, he won't win again. But he's got it, and people are going to tune in, and people are going to watch it because they'll be able to sell it. By him doing this retirement again, I, I keep saying it, but he he will be back sooner rather than later. He, I I think it will be against Jorge Masvidal, but again, if he does go down this for boxing, really interesting fight, which which was announced well not announced, but was sort of talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was Dillian White versus Francis Ngannou. Now, I'm normally not one for the sort of crossover boxing fights. Um, I know Henry Cejudo versus uh, Ryan Garcia has been has been talked about. What's the point? Ryan Garcia wins that. If he wants it to go more than a round, he'll toy with him. Henry Cejudo is not a boxer, not a boxer on that level. Ryan Garcia is incredible. It's not going to be a competitive fight for me. That, that that's just my opinion. But Francis Ngarni versus Dillian White, whichever arena you do that in, whether it be MMA or boxing. Now, this could be the, potentially the only boxer that could come to MMA that, that has been sort of branded about that really gets me interested in it. Dillian has a, has a history in, in MMA. I think he had two, three fights in MMA. Um, or was it just the one? Yeah, it was just the one, but he won. Anyway, so at some stage, he would have trained some sort of aspect of MMA. Now he's facing a fighter in Francis Ngannou who has never been for a takedown in his life. And the wrestling, when he's in the wrestling room, he will be. He obviously does practice his wrestling because of what happened against Stipe. But when he's in the wrestling room, I guarantee you, 
80% of what he's learning is takedown defense. It's not offense. He's got no interest in taking somebody down. When you've got his power, you don't need to take anybody down. So it will be a stand-up fight, pure stand-up fight. No, not like the James Tony Randy Couture fight, which bang, three seconds, Randy's taken down, submitted him, job done, everyone go home, boring. This will be a pure stand-up fight. In MMA, with those small gloves, someone's getting knocked out. They are. Fact, I would potentially lean towards Francis, but I... For me, it would be close and it would be competitive, just as it would be in boxing. Francis has got fantastic hands. Crap, um, uh, what do you call it? His, his technique isn't great. Let's be honest. His 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 knockout the other week, oh, I mean, superb power, unbelievable power. But the technique, let's be honest, it just throw caution to the wind. If Roger Strick had landed on him. Who knows what happens? And against a, a seasoned boxer like Dillian White, he could pick you up, pick, pick him apart. But if Francis lands one punch, it, it changes everything. And he has got that truly unbelievable knockout, one punch knockout power. But for me, again, very interesting fight in in either in either form, in either aspect. I do kind of hope that they do do this stuff for boxing more, more as a spectacle than anything, because it will give the guys a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, a little bit more impetus to, to be themselves potentially and, and, and actually step away from their comfort zone and actually potentially create a character and have to sell a fight. Would they go down the, the sort of boxing model of, of one major fight and the rest is crap? Who knows? Or would they potentially do a, a boxer versus MMA, UFC fighter, the whole card down? Who knows? Will it ever happen? Who knows? But for me to speculate on that Francis versus Dillian White it, it is very interesting. And, and, and that's one fight I do actually hope Hope does happen. So UFC 250 this weekend, some superb fights. This really, well, I'll be honest, it wasn't a fight card I was really looking forward to. Um, but after watching it back, it, yeah, pretty some pretty impressive performances. Some. Highlight real knockouts, um, which we'll get to a little bit later. But I'm going to start off with the prelim card. Um, you have to mention Cody Stamen. To, to go through what he's been through two weeks before. For people that don't know, his brother died very suddenly. Um, I think it was a week or two before the, uh, before the fight was meant to uh, take place. 18-year-old um, brother... It, absolutely tragic apparently they don't know why he died i think they're still looking for for sort of reasons why but to carry on fighting and and to fight in the in the way he did to to dominate brian kelleher the, the way he did i mean i i very loosely use the term back your chat and all that kind of stuff but he's a guy that really did to uh to, to like i say to go through what he went through and then to to put a performance like that is it, pretty impressive um Nothing really much more to say on him, but but yeah, I just wanted to uh, to to sort of touch on touch on that and that uh, yeah, superb performance, and what another one in the featherweight, you know, sort of division that that a couple of fights away from potentially um, getting up those rankings and and maybe looking at perhaps not a title shot just yet, but cause it's very it's a stacked division, but a couple of wins away from a big fight for him and and, and really opening the door for for him and uh, as to what could be next. Um, next fight that 
that I thought was uh, was really quite interesting was um, Alex Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy versus Chase Hooper. So two guys who what I was talking about earlier, who have created almost gimmicks. Chase Hooper really steers into this whole Ben Askren, uh, son of Ben Askren, um, all that kind of thing, which is superb, fantastic. Keep doing that, Chase. 20 years old, youngest fighter on the roster. He's going to be back. Yeah, he lost, but bad day at the office. He is a superb fighter, highly talented, highly skilled. Bad day at the office. Don't become the next, and I'm trying to think of his name, the oh, what was his name? The, the the guy, the karate guy that the UFC brought in, blonde hair, absolutely ripped to shreds. Um, his name his name escapes me for now, but don't become him that loses a fight or two and and all of a sudden is is left out to dry. He's in one FC now, but getting absolutely dominated in uh, in in one FC, and I think he got his, his face basically broken in his last fight. Oh my God, what is his name? That's gonna bug me. But anyway, you you guys will know who I mean. Um, but yeah, so so I think Chase shouldn't look down on himself, and, and and he will be back stronger. You can just tell it's in it's in his makeup, it's in his DNA that he will be back stronger. But Bruce Leroy, superb. To um, again, I'm going to talk about back in your chat. He he spoke about fight week. He didn't want to become the gatekeeper. He doesn't want that sort of moniker. He wants to. He wants to get up there and be a title challenger, and that is the way to do it. Against Takai, you, you're the main event at the prelims. On the free paper, the free to air before the pay per view, to come out with a performance like that is very impressive, and and you do hope that he he can perhaps kick on now, and and get to that sort of next level of he where he wants to be. Is he good enough? Who knows? Um, but he is improving, like he said, um, and and he, he he could be a guy that that potentially does take that step to the next level. He he's one that he could have become that gatekeeper. He may still well be looked upon as a gatekeeper. And he could be one that, that it, I think what the UFC maybe were thinking for this fight, he would be the one that passes the torch on to a Chase Hooper. Which incidentally, just going back to my earlier point about Conor McGregor and the retirement, I hate to keep talking about him, I'm sorry. But that's how Conor will go out. That that will be the end of Conor's career. Mark my words. He will see out his four-fight contract with the UFC. Next fight against Jorge Masvidal. Then, if all goes to plan, he fights Khabib for the title, or Justin Gaethje for the title, whoever is whoever is the champion at that time. Win, lose, or draw, he fights Khabib for the title if he wins. If he loses, he fights Khabib to get back to the title. And then fourth fight, depending on how everything's gone before, and which the fight he always has in his back pocket, is Nate Diaz. Now, what becomes interesting to me is when those four fights are up, and this could potentially happen before then, but whether, I mean, he, he he's expressed he wants to become a promoter, whether that be in UFC, in MMA, um, sorry, a hybrid of UFC and, and a part of the UFC business, or, or create his own sort of MMA brand, his own MMA um, championship, or in boxing. To me... He could he could do he he could go down the route of, of becoming a competitor to the UFC. I don't think that would ever happen because him and Dana are too close. If Dana's still there, which obviously there's there's always kind of been loosely since the uh, sort of Disney the IMG acquisition, whether Dana stays there for a long time, who knows? He he doesn't need to be there. He's allegedly lent, banked three hundred million dollars from the sale a few years ago. If that changes and and potentially the the 
the relationship does go south. Who knows what Connor does? But to me, he will have something to do with his own organisation. And the way he goes out is in a fight, passing the torch on. He gets that. He gets that aspect of the game, that he will build the next superstar. Mark my words on that. He will fight the next... That, that superstar isn't even known just yet. Okay? That superstar will not be anywhere near a UFC fight for the next two, three years, in my opinion. It could be potentially like a Chase Hooper coming through, but probably not. But there will be that guy, that character that, that Connor is maybe even building in the gym in Ireland. Who knows? But it will be somebody that's coming through in three, four years that when Connor is getting to the end of his career, he will fight. He will end up face down and he will have passed the torch onto this new guy to take it to the next level. Connor will have a piece of him. He'll get paid by him, etc., etc., etc. Sorry, get paid from him. But mark my words, that is how Connor goes out. He doesn't go out with a tweet. With a tweet. We're talking about the biggest draw. I went through the numbers earlier. The biggest draw that MMA has ever seen. The only guy that has truly transcended MMA to real life, to 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 people that in the street know him. They know who he is. They know the name. You, your old, you know, your grandma knows who he is kind of thing. He's the only MMA fighter, not even just UFC, the only MMA fighter really that, that has done that. He doesn't retire with a tweet. Come on. Like, we, we all know that. We get that. We, you know, I don't think I'm telling people anything they don't know. He doesn't retire with a tweet. He retires face down, passing the torch on to the next guy. And if that doesn't happen, he retires throwing a massive party with all the world's media there, etc., etc. He doesn't retire with a tweet. That's the last I'm going to say on the Connor, on the Connor aspect of things because it's getting very boring. We go to the main card now. So, as I sort of mentioned earlier, Sugar Shane, Sugar Sean, sorry, Sugar Sean O'Malley. Outrageous to do what he did to a veteran in Eddie Wineland. It was the knockout of the of the year, potentially, before Cody Garbrandt later on. But uh, one punch, walk off, cool as you like, bang, see you later, he is done. Not going to follow it up, I'm just going to walk off. Superb, absolutely superb. And again, a guy that is bought into his gimmick, he plays that character. He play, he's got the dread, sorry, he's got the cornrows, all multicoloured, rainbow colours, the face tattoos, the first photo he takes an hour after being in the octagon is with a massive spliff he's created that character and people love it and people will buy into it and he is the next uh, everyone says this, this is no breaking news he is the next conor mcgregor he is the next star of this sport if he can stay there if he can keep this gimmick up hopefully he's not ruined by usada by keep banning him for for marijuana use and hopefully one day that that the the not USADA, well it is USADA, it's not UFC, it's USADA, they take that away from their banned substance list. I, I, I'm not somebody that does it myself, but from the research I've done and, the, and what I've looked into it, 90% of the fighters do it. Like, what, why, would, why would they ban it? It doesn't affect them. Yes, obviously, if they're doing it on, on the day of the fight, they can get hurt because whatever, you, your reactions are lessened, etc. But why are you banning people for, for, t for doing marijuana, for, for having a split? Do you, do you ban them for having a cigarette? No, th th these guys smoke them like they're cigarettes. So why are you banning people for that? 
I really hope they don't do that for for for, for Sugar Shane, Sugar Sean, because I can't get his name right. <laughs> um, I really hope they don't do that and they don't ruin what could potentially be the next superstar of MMA. Next fight that I want to talk about, Aljo. Very, very. I've I've always loved Aljo. I like his his sort of look. Um, coming out with the Jamaican flag and, and all that kind of stuff. He he does have that gimmick. He just needs to tweak it and, and perhaps get a little bit bigger with it and take. he can really go to that next level. He is that sort of... He looks a, bit, a little bit cocky. He's got that swagger. He, he dances. Superb. Fantastic. Play on that a little bit more. And he could be the next... Again, he could be the next superstar. Who knows? But that bantamweight division it is is very interesting at the moment. There's no champion, obviously, with Henry Cejudo walking away. There's talk that it's, I think it is confirmed, Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo for the title. Think what you want about that in terms of Jose coming off a loss. And there's a big queue that, that deserve that fight, probably over Jose. But Jose Aldo is a big name, mainly because of Connor. He, he is now well known because he, he wasn't really before. Unbelievable fighter, but couldn't speak English. So people can in the Western world, in, 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 sorry, in the Western world, but in the Western world, in, in sort of the USA, UK, whatever, didn't really take notice of him because they couldn't understand him. So you can't possibly try and sell yourself if you can't, unless you're just going to be quiet and like I say, create that beast. But so yeah, anyway, he's got that fight against Petty Yan. I think everyone thinks Yan will, will win that. You can never count Aldo out, arguably won that last fight, but you can never count him out. That will be an interesting one, which I'm going to look more into when when the sort of time comes for that fight. There's going to be a lot of people ready to step in if something happens. Jose Aldo, obviously well known for pulling out of fights. Cody Garbrandt or Aljo could quite easily step into there. To me, it's a tough one as to who gets it, and you could arguably fight them against each other to 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 deem that next number one contender. I think it's harsh on both of them to make them do that, but sometimes you just have to do it and it will be a long time before that title will be will be fought if if Petty Yanvert fights Jose Aldo both of them super impressive performances really impressive performances Aljo against Cody Sanhagen who was coming in with all the hype in the world people kind of overlooking Aljo from what from what I was seeing um to dominate him like that to take his backs rear naked choke fantastic like just barely broke a sweat didn't take a punch yeah yeah, he, he, he argue all day he, he could get that shot. That's, yeah, a given. You can do that. Cody Garbrandt then steps up and goes, hold my beer. I'm going to wind up from Rose Z and put Raphael and Sunso back into Rose Z. I mean, just a wind up, just that punch. Just I mean, I think um, Joe Rogan or DC on commentary was, was saying it came from behind his knee. That wind up and with the power that he has... He, I mean, you saw that since I don't think he's woken up yet, has he? Like, uh, I think he's still trying to sit on that stool. Like, it, it, <laughs> outrageous. And it, and it truly is up there for, for knockout of the year already. Again, another walk-off at the buzzer. See you later. You're done. Cody versus Aljo would be a superb fight. Would be fantastic. Again, I think it would be harsh to make them fight each other because they, they both have an argument for the title. However, Aljo probably deserves it more on a bit of a longer win streak. But you can never count Cody out. He, he has, again, another one that has that kind of gimmick, that, that has that kind of look. Again, perhaps he should have come out after that fight and called out Aljo and gone, look, 
I know that the, the title's being fought, so me and Aljo, let's get it. They create that beef, they create that rivalry. Do it. Like, I don't care, like, whether you're teammates or whatever, you like each other secretly. Who cares? Create that drama and people will tune in. If you tell a story, that's what the majority of people will tune in for. No, Not many people actually tune in for the punches and the kicks. It's for the story and the drama. And that's that will be reflected in in the pay per view buys. Let's be honest, because the main event, Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. I said earlier that that, that Spencer probably got paid for this fight. Look at the numbers: one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. She would not have earned that in her whole whole career combined, probably. Like a lot of money for her. Fair play to her. All she had to do was put a hand up, and and, and it is a different story, especially in that women's featherweight division. I also very unfairly said that she was unranked. She is ranked, but it's just that there's not enough women's featherweights on the roster for there to be an actual ranking, I think. Um, it's not on the website anyway. So, But she she was the number one contender, I think. Maybe number two, whatever. She held her hands up. She gets the fight. Nobody wants to fight Amanda Nunes. She is the GOAT. She is by far away the women's GOAT. I don't even want to hear about Ronda Rousey. She destroyed her. Like She, she is the number one fighter. For her now, it gets very boring. She's she's getting into that Demetrius Johnson's phase of her career where the fights are boring. She's just dominating. She said herself, she just she didn't really want to finish the fight. She wanted to go five rounds to prove people that she can go five rounds. Not many fighters can do that in a title fight. Not many fighters can do that at all. Now she got half a million for that fight, and obviously she I don't know she may be getting pay per view numbers. Probably not because it probably didn't sell enough. And obviously there's locker room bonuses, etc. But she, she from from reported payout, she got half a million dollars for that fight. She might be happy with that money. She should be getting paid more. She, sh- she should be. Like, th- that's, again, like I said earlier, these fighters can help themselves to make more money. And the fighters should be getting paid more money. It almost shouldn't be upon them, but that's the way the sport works. That's the way the business works. She should be getting paid more. If you're the greatest of all time at anything, you should be getting paid the most on the roster kind of thing. She is going to pay more than any other woman, but she should be getting real money, real money. But she's not really a draw, which is unfortunate. She she has every she, without getting too political on it. She she is a lesbian. She's married to 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 her wife. Obviously, she's married. It's her wife. Um, but the UFC have never really pushed on that, which they perhaps could have. The first ever gay champion in the UFC. Perhaps they don't want that stigma because they still want to appeal to that roided up muscle head in Alabama that if that if they knew that or they'd never watch it again kind of thing who who knows but she she isn't a draw unfortunately and again I I was looking at the numbers of of pay-per-view buys and she holds the record from UFC 200 to UFC 235 that she holds two of the lowest draws in 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 those that sort of history um against Raquel Pennington and, and Shevchenko um yeah, unfortunate. Eighty-five thousand buys, which is not a lot. It's not a lot when when you're the main event and, and you are again the goat. But so she's going to go into this stage now where, depending on where she wants to fight, she she will dictate where she wants to go and what she wants to do. She's defended the belt in two different weight classes now. Does she drop down to to flyweight to maybe get a third belt? Who knows? But there's no there's no really interesting fight now for her. 
she she is somebody that loves to fight and and, and perhaps doesn't buy into that whole kind of gimmick side of things and and the, the sort of entertainment factor she just wants to fight which is absolutely fine because you don't really hear her complaining but her fights are always going to be like this they're always going to be dominating performances because until until probably a couple of years down the line there's not going to be anybody really that can challenge her looking at the yeah I'm looking at the at the rankings there's no one really that that excites that excites me about it to be honest um so yeah for her th there's the talk um potentially of a crossover um in, into boxing again I, I touched upon Zephyr boxing earlier um maybe she could do that It'd maybe excite her a little bit more who knows but yeah i i do kind of worry for her that she's going to go into that sort of demetrius johnson phase of of although she's an exciting fighter and she finishes fights she's she's going to be tired with that same brush unfortunately but if she's happy making that money it's a lot of money still let's be honest half a million dollars to walk out there knowing you're going to win yeah i'd take it wouldn't you but uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with her. What what will be next? I mean, like she said, she doesn't really know. Like, and she's not in a position where she needs to call anyone out. This is the other thing that that she a little bit of a counter to what I said earlier. She's the champion. She is the greatest of all time. She doesn't need to call anyone out. Like, if she does want to make that little bit extra money, yeah, potentially she she can create a narrative. She she can call somebody out, create that drama. But. It, from knowing her character now, it's a little bit too late because you know it would be forced unless they can come up with a very, very good backstory. But for now, I'd like to say thank you all very much for listening. Um, I apologise that I went on a little bit of a rant about obviously Connor and, and etc. But again, I just wanted to, to, to sort of go through um, everything that I think. And again, it is just my opinion. I, I, I will hold my hands up if I'm wrong. But I would bet my mortgage on the fact that he will be back probably sooner rather than later and this is all just a negotiation tactic for his fight before he comes out. And that's it for today's episode of the Back Your Chat podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Um, as I always say, if you want to get at me on social media, Back Your Chat or Back Your Chat podcast, search for those. You'll find me on there. Uh, please give me a follow, um, like some of the posts that I put out there. And of course, ask any questions, ask away anything that you disagree with. I've perhaps talked about today. Um, if you don't think Conor McGregor has truly uh, it is coming back, if you do think he has truly retired, then I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And if you do have any questions that perhaps I could touch on in the uh, in the next episode, then please feel free to ask away on there. But with that being said, thank you very much again for listening. Cheers. Bye bye. <laughs>